So we are um, already somehow in the third week uh, of Advent. Um, last week, uh, as we've been looking at the songs of Advent from Scripture that surrounded the uh, Advent, the Incarnation uh, in the Bible, the things, the events that unfolded in history, not just uh, stories that we read and read to our children. These are actual historical events. It's good to remember that. Um, and these songs or prophecies were actually uttered by real-life people. Um, last week, we looked at Simeon, <clears throat> a man who had waited, we're not sure how long, but context points us to quite a bit of time, um, but it's not exactly clear how long he waited, but a man named Simeon who had been told that he would not pass on, he would not die until he had seen the Messiah, he had seen the Christ physically in his presence. Um, and so as uh, Mary and Joseph take Jesus into the temple, um, for a certain ceremony, Simeon is uh, hears from the Holy Spirit. He's, he's confirmed a sighting, right? How many babies, I wonder, did he see come in and think, maybe this is the one? The Holy Spirit confirms in Simeon that this is the Christ child, and he just kind of erupts with this, uh, this song of, uh, of praise and this blessing for Mary. And so uh, we talked about the peace that the Lord brought to Simeon because he said, I can now pass in peace, right? My, I can go in peace. This idea of um, knowing that uh, the afterlife is secured because God's promises are, are fulfilled to us. And so it's this idea of, again, kind of anchoring our hope, but then being able to pass in peace because of what God is doing. Um, and I talked about how Jesus brings peace for us specifically. Uh, everybody has a different story, unique combination of events and things in their lives that have brought them to who they are today, and the, the peace of Jesus speaks specifically into those circumstances, just like it did for Simeon. Uh, but also, there's this common grace, peace, right? Peace on earth uh, for all mankind because of the salvation that Jesus represents and brings to us. Um, we can have peace with God and peace with one another. Uh, this morning, we turn our attention to joy. It's the week of joy, and so we'll be looking at the song of Mary, known as the Magnificat. Um, some claim this is the greatest Advent song in Scripture, uh, such a song of praise. This word, Magnificat, um, and all the Advent songs, I haven't um, been talking about them, but they all have these Latin names that they're known by. Um, the Magnificat speaks to the word magnify. Um, because the first thing that Mary says is, my soul magnifies the Lord in her song. Uh, it's an amazing, joyful song of praise from the mother of Jesus. So uh, let's dive into that. Our passage begins with Mary's visit to uh, her pregnant relative Elizabeth, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Zachariah's song. And Zachariah's song, um, he is married to Elizabeth. Elizabeth is pregnant with John, who is John the Baptist. Um, and so this is pregnant Mary visiting pregnant Elizabeth. Um, Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39. <clears throat> in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. 
And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So we have this amazing record here where pregnant Mary visits pregnant Elizabeth. And when Mary calls out to Elizabeth, John, in Elizabeth's womb, leaps with excitement at the presence of Jesus in Mary's womb. The Holy Spirit already tipping John and Elizabeth off to the fact that the baby in Mary's womb is special, and not just like, oh, my boy's so special, like every mother thinks, but like special and we're in the presence of the Savior of the world, special. John, of whom it has been foretold, will go before Jesus and proclaim him to the world, is already clocking in, in utero. He's on the job. He's heralding the coming Messiah before he's even breathing air. Such a cool moment. John leaping for joy in the presence of the Son of God. And Elizabeth blessing Mary. And Mary's response is this amazing song of praise. So amazing that apparently many have doubted that these are actually the words of Mary, claiming that Luke added these in or took them from other hymns or other places in Scripture to kind of just beef up this section and make her sound um, more artistic or more mature. There are parallels to Hannah's song in the Old Testament and other connections that are deemed too deep for Mary, who had been just a young teen. Critics try to argue that Again, Luke was attributing these words to Mary, but was borrowing the words from other places. But there's no great reason to believe or to doubt. I'm sorry, there's no great reason to doubt that a devout Jewish girl would be very familiar with the Old Testament and the hymns and songs that they continued to sing throughout those ages. Kent Hughes, a commentator, even suggests that Mary's pregnancy may have given her even a heightened interest in Hannah's story. She would have been very familiar with Hannah's story in the Old Testament who longed for a child and prayed for a child and eventually was blessed with a child. And so we're talking about a young lady who is very in tune with her people's history, with her own situation, and with the Holy Spirit, who is inspiring her words in this moment. And so I'm voting for This is Mary, singing this song, inspired by the Holy Spirit. She knows what she's saying. She knows what she's calling on. She knows the parallels she's making. Um, because she's, again, a God-fearing young lady, and she's in tune with the Holy Spirit. Her words are words of joy, praising her God. Right after Mary declares that her soul magnifies the Lord, she says her spirit rejoices in God. So let's look at joy. The first thing I want to note about joy this morning is that joy comes from the Lord. Joy comes from the Lord. You know, joy is different from happiness. Happiness is more of a, an outward reaction to circumstances. It kind of rises and falls with the ebb and flow of what's going on around us. Uh, happiness is all good and well, but it, it just operates on a more shallow plane than joy. 
Joy is internal, or at least starts internally and then works outwardly, manifesting itself in different expressions like Mary's song here. But it comes from a deeper, internal, more deliberate, and eternal place. Many say that joy is a choice. It's more of a a thermostat than a thermometer in this sense. Happiness is like a thermometer that simply tells the temperature of your mood. Joy is a thermostat which can change your mood as you pursue joy. And as believers, we should inform our view of joy based on what the Bible says about it. The Bible says joy is fruit of the Spirit, so it's definitely a good thing. We want fruit of the Spirit. We want the Spirit to be fruitful in us. It's part of the character of God. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. And so these characteristics of God's character produced in us is the character of God in us. The Bible also says that joy is in us and can be full or complete And it also says that there is fullness of joy in the presence of God, which we heard in our call to worship. It also speaks to the kingdom of God in relation to joy, and it says that the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then we see in multiple places in Scripture where we're commanded to rejoice. We're told to rejoice. So joy is a a characteristic of God. It's a characteristic of His kingdom that he produces in us to varying degrees, and it's a matter of obedience for us to express it, this act of rejoicing, right? To express the joy that's within us is to rejoice. So Mary seems to be spot on here with joy when she says her spirit rejoices in God. She is expressing externally what God is doing and producing in her internally. Now, Mary has some circumstances which she could be happy about. She has some circumstances which she could be sad about in her life. But her joy, which is more substantial, is what's seen her beyond her circumstances, and it comes from the Lord. And the joy that we long for, a joy that supersedes what we're facing day in and day out, a joy that won't fade when the storms of life come, this joy comes from God too. So it shouldn't surprise us that the way then to increase our joy or see more joy produced in us, to borrow a phrase from the Bible, for our joy to be made full is to magnify God. If we want more joy and to experience more joy, we need more of the Lord because the Lord is the source of our joy. So point number two, when we magnify the Lord, we increase our joy. When we magnify the Lord, we increase our joy. If God is the source of our joy then when there is more God in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, on our lips, then we will experience more joy. It's a simple matter of if-then. There's a direct correlation between God's presence and glory in our lives and the joy we experience in life. Remember, in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. So any increase in His presence is a move toward full joy. This seems to be a win-win, right? We get more God and we get more joy. These are both great things. But let's think about this for a moment. Can God get any bigger or smaller than He already is? No. No, He cannot. When we magnify something, we're we're not making it bigger, but making our view of it bigger. We're zooming in. We're allowing it to take up more of our field of vision by changing our perspective. But we're not actually making anything bigger. His presence might increase in our lives, but God himself is not growing. 
Think about IMAX movies. You can watch a movie on your phone, or you can watch it on an IMAX screen. Either way, the subjects in the movie are not actually getting bigger or smaller. You're viewing the same size subject, just on a bigger screen or a smaller screen. So when Mary says that her soul magnifies the Lord, and we seek to magnify the Lord, what we're doing is zooming in on God so that he takes over our entire field of vision. So what's the opposite of this, right? If we want to decrease our joy, we find a lack of joy in our lives. We're keeping a narrow view of God or limiting our perspective of God or moving far away from God and so that our view of the Lord shrinks, shrinking God's presence, shrinking our view of God. We're not making God smaller. There was a young man at our previous church who was losing his eyesight to a point of being legally blind, and it was explained to us that his vision was limited to the point of where it was like looking through a drinking straw. We talked about the limited view a few weeks ago of looking through a knot hole. Well, this young man's vision would be like he could only see the equivalent of the diameter of a drinking straw. Think about how much of an image you'd miss if you could only see that much at a time. It would be hard to get a grasp of what you're beholding. It might create confusion. It might create misunderstanding. Such a limited view of God won't produce much joy, I wouldn't think. The other way to demagnify is to create distance between ourselves and God. Your lack of joy may be a simple matter of proximity. If you can't see him, get closer to him. This is the most basic form of magnification, right? No tools needed. Get close enough to get a good look. It's also biblical. Draw near to the Lord, and he will draw near to you. And as we magnify or increase the view of God in our lives, our joy will increase. Great. So how do we magnify the Lord? Uh, I was reminded of uh, Moira and David Rose making enchiladas, and she tells him to fold in the cheese, and he said, I don't know how to do that. She just keeps saying, we'll just fold it in. Uh, She doesn't really know how to do it either, but she just keeps saying, fold it in. Um, He needs more specific instructions, right? Sometimes we get Ikea furniture or some kind of uh, item in our house to assemble, and there's no words. It just shows a picture with like a piece and an arrow and a piece, and you're like, yeah, I know this goes into there, but how do I fit it together? Don't give me these vague, like, this is how it's supposed to end up. We know how it's supposed to end up, right? We need step by step how to do it. So I'm not going to leave you this morning with just go magnify the Lord. If you're like, how do I magnify the Lord? How do I do that? Well, we magnify the Lord by focusing on who he is and what he's done and what he's going to do. We magnify the Lord by focusing on who he is, what he's done, and what he's going to do. Look at the unfolding of Mary's song. Praise that God sees her and remembers her. Praise for blessing her and working in her life and praise for bringing salvation to sinners and promising to humble the proud, bring justice to the wicked. She's listing things, right? She's being specific. She didn't just say, my soul magnifies the Lord, and that's the end of her song. She starts to list these things, singing the praises of God, declaring the specifics of who he is, what he's done, what he's going to do. She emphasizes that he has done great things for her personally, and she speaks of the things he will do for his people in a prophetic past tense. If you read her song, it's all in past tense, but there's a shift there where she's singing about herself and what God has done in her life, and then she starts declaring these things, which is known, as, again, as this kind of declaring them as, as good as done by speaking of them as he has done them. 
<clears throat> but she's speaking about the justice that Jesus will bring to the world and the healing that Jesus will bring to the world and righting the wrongs that have yet to unfold in history. She emphasizes God's might, his holiness, his mercy. She's focusing and listing specifics. Who is God? What has he done? What is he going to do? This is the joy of Mary bursting forth in song to declare the wonders of God's character, his work in us, his work in the world. Just as we talked about personal and corporate peace last week, there's peace for you specifically and there's peace for the world in general. We're seeing here again this personal blessing that Mary recounts in her life. This is how God has blessed me in my life, she says, but also what great things he has done in bringing salvation to sinners. And in focusing on, contemplating, declaring, treasuring these things about God, Mary is magnifying God in her soul and in her mind and on her lips. This is the key to our joy too. To think Jesus, to thank Jesus, to speak Jesus, and to sing Jesus. This is magnifying the Lord in our lives. This is making our view of God bigger. We're not making God bigger. We're not making him grow. We're not adding to him. We are increasing our view, right? It's this IMAX projection of God in our lives. You want to experience fullness of joy? Think back on what God has done for you. Think about his character. Excuse me his heart toward you, his love for you. Think about the promises that he has made to you. Think about the things that he has done, right? We've talked about being specific with listing the way that, ways that God has blessed us, not just, oh, yes, the Lord is good. He's been good to me. How? How has he been good to you? When we recount those things, we're filled with a sense of joy, just like any relationship you have in life. You look at your spouse, you look at your kids, you look at someone, your parents, someone that you say, I love them. And that's all good and well. But your sense of love grows when you start to think, this is why I love them. I think about the experiences we have together. I think about the memories we've made. I think about their character, who they are, the person that they are. When you get specific, those things start to grow inside of us. Our joy, our love, our affection. When we magnify God, we magnify Jesus, when we take this bigger view, it's also a way of sharing the view with others, isn't it? If I zoom in on something, if I'm watching a movie on my phone, it's hard to say, hey, let's watch this movie on my phone together. But if I have a big screen, I can say, hey, come look at this, come check this out. And so there's a sense also in which magnifying the Lord in our lives and making our view of God bigger in our lives, it's a sense of mission, a sense of witness, because we're saying, hey, look, look at this. Right? I have this joy inside of me. Mary didn't just keep these things in her head. She sings. She bursts forth in song. It's testifying. And so as we magnify the Lord, our joy increases, and then it starts to become a witness, a story to others as well. This call on Christians to magnify the Lord, it's a means of mission, but it's also a way to cultivate joy in our lives. Remember, it's joy, not happiness, that will sustain us in the valleys of life. Joy in Christ is what's strengthening my teacher friend, Stephanie, that we've been praying for and her family. Even though they just lost her dad, yes, they're sad, and they're making these kind of comments that we're sad, we miss him. But they're also choosing joy 
by magnifying the Lord in these circumstances. They're praising God for completely healing her dad in the next life. The updates I keep seeing, right, there's this combination of, man, we're sad, we're so sad, we miss him, I miss my dad, I miss my husband. But also, we're so thankful we'll see him again one day. We're so thankful that he's completely cured. He's not in pain anymore. Notice how there are specifics in the magnification. Again, don't just think about a blanket statement. Man, God, you're great. God, you're good. Think about what he's done. Think about who he is. Think about what he's promised. Name those things. Mary named the reasons that she was praising God. She named the characteristics of God that she was experiencing and thankful for. When I think back to using a microscope in school and having to put a blade of grass or something on a lens and look at it and, and draw it for my teacher, I couldn't just turn in a green scribble, right? My teacher wanted to see certain parts that I was supposed to be able to see under the magnifying glass and label those parts specifically. If I magnified it correctly, I would see the intricacies. I would see the different things. If we're really pursuing lasting joy in our lives and really magnifying the Lord in our lives, we'll be able to point to specific attributes of God, specific things he has done in our lives, specific promises he has made to us in his word. This is why Christmas is so special. It marks a specific time when God did something amazing for us, which was a fulfillment of certain promises, but also the unfolding of promises yet to be realized. So magnify the Lord in your life. Think of Advent. Think of the day of your salvation. Think of the day of your baptism. Think of the things that He has done in your life, in the life of your loved ones. Think of His loving heart towards you, that He would extend to you grace and forgiveness. And in this magnification, in the presence of God, may your joy be made full. Let's pray. God, thank you. We thank you for, again, just the amazing miracle of the incarnation. That the God of heaven would come humbly in the form of a baby that you would choose a, a humble, uh, young Jewish girl to, to carry the Christ child. And God, thank you for this record that we have of, of her experience of, uh, of walking with you and praising you and finding joy in you. And God, this example, this record we have of, of her words pointing to your character, your activity in her life, the things you had promised. She wasn't just rejoicing that she got to carry the Christ child. She was rejoicing that you were bringing salvation to the world and humbled that she got to be a part of it. God, as we long to be people filled with joy, may we remember joy doesn't come from the things of the world. Joy comes from you. And if we are lacking joy in our lives, God, may we increase our view of you. May we magnify you in our lives, thinking on you, your character, your actions, your ministry to us the promises you've made, 
that we might increase our view of you, God. And in doing so, that our joy may be complete, our joy may be full. God, I pray that everyone uh, who, who can hear these words, that, that they have a day of salvation that they can look back to and say, this was a great day of joy in my life. That they have milestones, they have moments that they can look back on and say, this was a prayer you answered. This was a, something you saved me through. This is something you walked through with me, even though the circumstances were hard, the days were tough, the, the never seemed like I was going to get out of the situation, and yet you saw me through it, that that would be an occasion to praise you, magnify you, and find joy in you. God, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you that we are on this side of history, this side of the advent, to look back on this amazing miracle and celebrate this time. But as we always say, Jesus, may we not just enjoy this grace and celebrate this grace, but may we extend it, proclaim it to others. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.